He has risen. Amen. The Lord is great and greatly to be praised. Amen. Uh, I am so excited about Easter Sunday. I'm glad that you are here. I'm glad for those that are watching online. Easter is a time of rejoicing. And you say, well, why do we rejoice on this day? We're celebrating the resurrection of Jesus from the grave. You say, well, what does that mean? Well, that simply means that Christ has conquered death. Do you know anybody else that has conquered death? Do you know anybody else that has died and come back to life and, and has victory over death? No one has. This means that Jesus dealt with humanity's sins, and when we put our faith, hope, and trust in him, we have victory over death. And that's, you say, well, well, why do you serve Christ? Why do you? Because he is eternal life, and he can give it to whomever he chooses. I love that. Uh, have you ever noticed that, that, that God doesn't deal with humanity according to how we should be dealt with? When I was in seventh grade, you say, well, that was a long time ago. Yes, it was. But in seventh grade, the way it worked, we had a homeroom, and then after a homeroom, you went to all the other seventh grade classes for math or English or science or whatever it may be, and you moved around. But you had a homeroom that you started in, and then you finished at, right before lunch, and then you finished at the end of the day. That was your homeroom. And my homeroom teacher's name was Mr. Stone. And he lived up to his name. He was austere. He was hard. School had a, uh, a rule that if you missed 21 days or more, they could hold you back. I didn't miss 21 days. I missed 39 and a half. And you say, you must have been really sick. Yes, I was sick of school. And I missed all of these days. And, and being in seventh grade, I didn't, I didn't really know the consequences of that. I didn't have parents that made me go. I just did what I was, wanted to do. And you say, well, did you have bad grades? No, I actually had very good grades. But that's beside the point because they passed me. And, and, and lo and behold, when I got to eighth grade... Mr. Stone had moved to 8th grade. And guess who was my homeroom teacher? Mr. Stone. And I thought, what have I done to deserve this? And I thought that for a while until I got a little bit older. And I realized that Mr. Stone treated me in a way I did not deserve. He shed grace on me. He saw something in me, in a troubled young man, and he saw something, and instead of persecuting me or, or, or allowing me to face the consequences of my actions or inactions, he 
offered grace. And the older I get, the more I appreciate how Mr. Stone changed my life. Because he did not deal with me according to how he could have and perhaps how he should have. But he looked beyond what was going on and he said there's something in this young man's life that, that needs to be changed. And, and, and he pulled me to himself to be able to help me and, and correct me and bless me even when I didn't feel like it was. Psalm 103, verses 9 and 10. God's dealing with man is on the same nature. This is what he says in Psalm 103, verses 9 and 10. He says he will not always accuse. That, that word accuse simply means as a prosecutor in, in, a, in a trial. He's not always going to accuse you and, and say you did this and you did that and you committed this sin and you did this thing wrong. Nor will he harbor his anger forever. He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. Isn't that amazing about God? And isn't that the real reason why we celebrate Easter? Is because you and I had deserved death. We deserve the penalty of death. The Bible tells us, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. All is an inclusive word that means every single person has sinned and come short of the glory of God. And, and the Bible goes on to say in Romans 6, 23, that the wages of sin, uh, wages is what you earn, what we have earned for that, that falling short, for that sin, the wages of sin is death. If God in his righteousness he would have chose to do so he could have judged all humanity and condemned them to death and have done so righteously he could have done so legally he could have done so morally. And yet, he didn't deal with us according to our sins. According to what we deserved. See, one of the, one of the greatest aspects of God that I think sometimes that, that, that we overlook. We understand that God is merciful. David, the psalmist writing here in Psalm 103, he understands that, that God is, is merciful. But one of the most overlooked things in God's character is his ability to forgive. To forgive. Even when we don't ask for forgiveness, he forgives. See, it takes a strong person to forgive. See, forgiveness is sometimes hard, especially when you have been done unjustly. Because we want 
vengeance. We want everybody to know we were right and they were wrong. We want the one that has done wrong by us to grovel before us, and yet Christ came and he dealt with us in a way we did not deserve, nor did we comprehend. I will, I will submit to your hearing that the disciples didn't comprehend. That the ladies that, that came to the tomb on that Easter morning didn't comprehend. This is what, this is what Matthew describes in Matthew 28, 1 through 7. He says this, he said, After the Sabbath, at the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. Now, they were going to the tomb because they did not have opportunity for a proper burial for Jesus on the day of his death. And they were going to go and prepare his body for death. Their mindset was, my Savior is in this tomb. My Savior is lifeless. My Savior, the one that loves me, the one that comforts me, the one that has blessed me, the one that I have seen heal people, the one I have seen raise the dead, one that I have seen give sight to the blind, the one that shows mercy and compassion on people is now lying lifeless. And the only thing that I can do is to take care of his lifeless body. Their mindset was, I love the Lord, but he's dead. The Bible says there was a violent earthquake. I've never been in an earthquake that wasn't violent. So it must be when they're saying violent, it must be really violent. For the angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. So you got to get this picture. They're going to the tomb, and then the earth begins to shake, and this stone that was rolled in the tomb to keep animals and everything out of the, the tomb was rolled away. Let's go on. This angel, his appearance was like lightning, and his clothes were white as snow, and the guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. That would be an amazing sight to see. So here's the women coming to prepare the body. I wonder what they felt at this time. Wow, an angel's here. Perhaps he's going to help us take care of the body of Jesus. The angel said to the women, and this is really amazing, do not be afraid. Don't be afraid. I wonder what the angel knew that they didn't know. They were there to see a dead, lifeless Christ. The angel knew he wasn't there. 
They came to, to take care of a, of a Savior that had died, and, and, they, and the angel was there knowing that he wasn't there, and he knew why he wasn't there, because he came to die, to rise again, to give them eternal life. And they came to the grave not knowing that Christ's real purpose was to truly set them free, to give them what they did not deserve, an opportunity to have life eternal and they sat there and they looked at the angel and the angel said don't be afraid I would have said I'm sorry I already am he says I know why you're here and if you had it in parentheses he would have probably said and I know why Christ isn't here See, you're, you're here to take care of Christ, but Christ is not here because he's taking care of you. You're here to take care of a dead Christ, but Christ has risen. He is now alive because now he is going to take care of you that you no longer have to fear death because he has come and he has defeated the number one enemy of humanity, and that is death because we could not overcome our sin because the wages of sin is death. It had every single one of us in shackles and in chains, but Christ, when he came, a sinless human sacrifice died for our sins because he had no sin he was able to rise from the grave and he conquered death and because he conquers death he now has an opportunity to deal with humanity in a way that we don't deserve but aren't you glad he does I know that you're looking for Jesus who was crucified so you saw him crucified you saw him that he was but he's not here. You're here to take care of the dead. He isn't here because he already took care of the dead. He goes on to say, he is not here. He has risen. Not he has been taken away. Not that he was just really hurt, but he didn't really die. And they have him over in the, the next town uh, mending his wounds. No, they didn't say that. He said, he's not here. He has risen. You did see him crucified. You did see him die. But there is a difference now because Christ is no longer dead. He is now alive. I wonder if we could kind of grasp that concept that Christ conquered death. Christ conquered death. Christ has tasted death and conquered it for us. God did not deal with us according to what he could have or perhaps what he even should have, but God doesn't always chide with man. He looked at us and said that we needed a sacrifice and Christ was that sacrifice and he not only died for our sins, but he rose again that we can have life eternal. He said, then go quickly and tell the disciples. I, I love that. He, he says two things. The angel says two things to them that, that I think are pertinent for us. Because how should we respond to the risen Christ? How should we respond? He said, come and see the place where he laid. 
Come and see him. I would say that, that if you really have doubts, if you really, I would say, come see Christ. Come meet Christ. Come, come see where Christ Come and see what Christ did and what he said he would do. And, and come see that he is a keeper of his word. Come to the grave that could not hold him. Come see the victory over the grave. Come see the salvation of man that came through Jesus Christ. Come see how God has dealt with, with humanity, not according to their sins, but according to His love and His kindness and His goodness. And He has blessed us with life and blessed us with life abundantly. He has given us eternal life. Come see what Christ did that we could not do ourselves. Come see what joy should be in our hearts because Christ lives today. He said, come see. You remember the first time you came to the Lord and you realized that Christ is risen, that he conquered death. You say, you say well, well I, I'm not afraid to die. Well, I'm glad. Nobody wants to die. Everybody wants to go to heaven, but nobody's willing to die to get there. And yet there's a part of us that, that does not fear death. Because we, we are created as, as eternal beings and death is foreign to us. It didn't enter into us until, until after sin entered into the world. So, so when we look at death, we don't look at it as a, quote, natural part of life because it was a curse pronounced on humanity. But that curse has been lifted for all of those that trust in Christ. You and I have eternal life. Why? Because we have come to the grave and we have seen what Christ has done and we have bowed our knee and we have confessed that Jesus Christ is Lord. And because he lives, we live. The angel said two things. Come and see and then go and tell. If you're a child of God, if, you're, if you know him, if you have given your life to him, you have come to the cross, you have come to that grave, and you have seen the risen Lord, and, and you know that you know that you know that he is alive forevermore. But the other aspect is go and tell. We have been given the power of personal testimony that Christ is indeed risen from the tomb, that Christ is alive today. How do you know? How do you know that Christ is alive? Because he lives within our hearts. Because every, every day we feel his presence. Because every day when we read his word, it is truth. And it says yes and amen. And our response to seeing the risen Christ should go and tell others that he is alive. Go and tell those that you know Christ lives. Go and tell those that don't know uh, about him that Christ lives. That he, he died and he rose again and he lives forevermore. Our responsibility, our joy should be Christ lives forever. Go and tell others that I have conquered death. Go and tell others that I control eternal destiny of all humanity. Go and tell. I'm going to ask our praise team to come back.
God has not dealt with us according to our sins. Aren't you glad? Aren't you happy? It's okay to say amen. There you go. I like that. If you, you know, would you stand with me? Would you stand with me? The Lord, the Lord has forgiven us. The Lord has not dealt with us according to how he could have. He could have dealt with our sins and given us death, but he has chosen through love and compassion to to deal with us with mercy and with grace and it gives us eternal life. If that is not something to rejoice about, then I don't know what is. If that doesn't put joy in your life, then I think that your joy buzzer is probably broken. If that doesn't put a little dance in your step, that the king of glory, that the creator of the heavens and the earth has not dealt with me according to how he could have, but has lavished blessing and grace and glory and life eternal upon us. Why? Because he is merciful, because he's gracious, because he's full of love, because he is looking down on us today and saying, I did it for you, that I can live in eternity with you, not for a day, not for a week, not for a hundred years, but forever I will be with him. We have a right to rejoice. Would you pray with me? Father?